at Mountain Students. Uh, we make more and better disciples of middle school and high school students by connecting them to someone who loves God and loves them to help them develop an authentic faith. And we believe that everything rises and falls on the strength of our disciple makers and our process to connect students to them. My name is Chase and this month is quite awesome because there are a couple of unique features about this episode, friends. First, we are recording in sort of like a live environment. We have a lot of our staff here around the table in our office. So Charlie and Matthew and Kristen, hello. Hello. Thanks for being here. As always, Julia, the wizard producer everything she does is so good um gil our young adult pastor oh he was here but he stepped out because he had to shoot a video um but secondly this episode is um and perhaps most importantly we have a special guest with us today who oddly enough is going to be our first ever special guest on our little humble podcast wow so there we go um, don't be alarmed. We we vetted him. We patted him down. The only thing that he's packing that we know of is knowledge and passion. Wow, friends, it's Jordan. How you pronounce how, your? How long beer? did that take you to write? I just, uh, I just know. moments, like, moments. <laughs> yeah, in Starbucks. Um, Jordan. Yeah, technically, my last name is Bier. Bier. Yeah. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, man. Yeah. Thanks. Um, Good to be with you guys. So, how? First of all, how did you get here? Why are you here? <laughs> Seriously, how'd you get here? Right. Well, Where are you from? What do you do? Yeah, so, okay, so um, I live in western Michigan, a little town called Holland, and uh, it's a very Dutch town, and um, so Dutch that we actually choose to dress up our kids in Dutch outfits and parade them down streets. What? And we call it the Tulip Parade, and yeah. This is adorable. It's actually the quickest way to, <laughs> yeah. It's the quickest way to scar children, just dress them up in Dutch outfits and parade them down with tulips. And millions of people from all around the country come watch it. Are you kidding me? Yeah, they get off school and everything. So Holy cow. Yeah, it's weird. And it was weird. And we can't get off for the Super Bowl. What's it called again? Tulip time. Look it up. Tulip time? Holland, Michigan. Yeah. Oh my goodness. This is amazing. It's it's for real. Um. Anyway, (laughs) I'm from Holland, Michigan. (laughs) And uh, I was a... Youth pastor for a long time in Chicago area, a little town called Naperville, Illinois, at a church there called Community Christian Church, similar to you guys in multi-site world, figuring out the multi-site, multiverse world. And uh, then uh, now I work for an organization called Alpha, and I oversee Alpha Youth for the USA, and I help kind of shape what that looks like here in North America, but also globally. So cool. it's kind of fun. We'll get to more of what Alpha is later on um but first i have a a silly get to know you question oh which yeah we here did, we go which we figured out in our kind of just chit chatting time oh is that a photo of tulip time tulip time this is amazing now you gotta put in the show notes show yeah the tulip. we're gonna have to put we're just gonna the show make notes. all sorts of work for julia here <laughs> you put a bunch of youth pastors in a podcast and you just don't you don't know what's gonna happen this is this is amazing <laughs> um so you're here in baltimore yeah um, and so you're you're in big time baseball country. So we, we kind of learned this yeah. in our, before we started recording. But are you a big baseball fan? I team? I am a sports fan for sure. Sports fan. Baseball is my number two. Um, and I'm a big Chicago Cubs fan. Okay. So yeah, Cubs, Cubs go Cubs. Cubbies. And it's a little unfortunate to admit that, but it's true. But you do have a World Series in this. Uh, in my lifetime, yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah. that's good. Yeah, that's, I, so, yeah. Uh, not all Cubs fans can say that. 
so. Not all Orioles. Are you saying because they're dead or something? Or? <laughs> I think that's what he's saying. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, it's true. It was, it was, we've been I think it was a long time. just took <laughs> shots at the dead. I, did. I mean, he did. Uh, I mean, incredible. stay away from this guy. Wow. Don't tell this episode. A little bit don't of a blank slate. So we're going to even we're oh, gonna figure out the name of this episode. Do you guys have a World Series championship in your lifetime? One thing that we do know about our experience with you. I don't think Baltimore has a lot of vision and passion when it comes to the next generation that I just find like borderline intoxicating, like mm-hmm. just truly like just let the language do it, what it must there. But just, it really is like, it gets me just so hyped and excited to think about doing ministry with these, uh, with these kids that we have. Um, and a lot of our leaders are like, they caught the vision too, right? They, they want to do good. They yeah. want to help raise up the next generation of church leaders. And, uh, um, you know, you all, and, uh, you all, uh, Alpha, and I know you all partnered with Barna and mm-hmm. CIY, amongst others, with this massive study that just happened yeah. over the past couple of years. And so maybe if there's, you know, just to start from the very tip top, like, yeah. so, like, what kinds of, like, bring in your background a little bit, like, the discussion and, Let's talk about some Gen Z stuff. Maybe showing some of that data, what it means, whatever yeah. you feel is important to say, and yeah, start there. So okay, so we just in the last couple of years, actually, we've done a couple of really big studies. One was called "Reviving Evangelism in the Next Generation." Um, that's specifically around what type of evangelism these young people want. And even I say word evangelism, it's like a dirty word for young people. So what does that even mean? What I, but actually we found some really interesting stuff. We can talk about that. But the latest one um, is actually something that we'll call the Open Generation. And the Open Generation Report was a massive study done by us, Alpha, Biblica, World Vision, CIY, ACSI, and... Good thing this is internal because there's I'm, I'm missing a couple people too. But there's a couple other people that also like were in this. It's a global study <clears throat> um, that we did, and we're studying the trends about young people and their views of Jesus, by the Bible, and actually uh, social justice or impact more particularly. So <clears throat> some things that we've found specific to USA, and we can kind of go there and we can talk, talk globally too. The biggest thing that we found is that. And, and I'll explain this a bit, but the reason why we're calling it the open generation is because we're finding that young people, Gen Z, all the way up to, well, actually, we studied, this was actually particularly teenagers, so those 14, 15, 16, 17 round, not the Julias of the world who are 25, 26, you know. Um, but it's I think it probably transcends too, and Julia, you can fact check this too as a resident Gen Z here. And, and Matthew, you're a resident Gen Z here too, so you can fact check this. Eh, okay. Fine. The, we, we should just let you guys talk. Fine. Everybody. <laughs> well, so I guess we're old. That's what this, uh, this, this is the this, old side of the yeah, table. Yeah, the old side of the table. This is the young okay. side of the table. Well, like okay. It. So the reason why we're calling the open generation is because what we found is that young people are open to conversations around Jesus. They're open to Jesus. And we're also discovered they're open to the Bible and they're very open to making an impact. And I think all of us have tangibly see the impact stuff really right away. Like a lot of young people want to get out there, have an impact. You know, how's my life matter? They're going to join causes left and right. You know, um, the things they care a lot, a lot about are like social justice, like uh, equality, um, poverty, mental health also was a major one that surfaced. Uh, I don't have the exact five on top of my head. Environmental health made it, you know, in there. 
we at the multi summit that we were talking. Yeah. Some people were like, environmental health, they never talk about global warming. And it's like, well, <laughs> they are, you know. Yeah. Um, I actually had a student come up to me a couple years ago and she said to me, I would love to discuss climate change stuff at church yeah. with I'm like, it's hey, real. bring it on. Okay. They that's, they care a lot. And actually yeah. that, that's good. Um so but the open generation, and I, I think I want to clarify something too for everyone here. Uh we say open to Jesus. I don't mean that they're curious about Jesus. Uh, I think curiosity carries a kind of implicit action that they're going to take. That's not necessarily true of Gen Z around the country, but they are open to him. And the church has to create space for curiosity to kind of blossom in their life. And that's something that the church has to learn how to create. Now, we say open. That means that they're very open to having that conversation with their friends, with you, with other people. Um, and they're very open to holding a space, to having honest conversations with one another. The the thing, though, is we have to learn how to engage people where they're at, young people where they're at, and not like set up all these kind of barriers for them, to, like uh, barriers of entry for them to enter into our space, which is the church space. And if you think about it, you guys get this in Northeast. Church space is kind of weird, you know? Like, you know, yeah. for someone who's brand new, doesn't know anything, the family didn't go to church, and they have no context for Jesus, you come in to youth group because your friend's there, you got invited, and all of a sudden you come in, you come in, you start singing songs, which is like, oh, that's, that's interesting. And then you start singing about, like, I was washing the blood of the lamb, or <laughs> the virgin birth. And you're like, what is this? Like, like what is this? And so, so there are some things we do that are just like, wait, what? What, what are we doing there? And we just have to know that there's a generation rising up very open to having conversations around Jesus, but we have to put ourselves in their shoes and kind of understand where they're coming from. Um, and so they're open, but we have to create space for them to grow in curiosity. Now, the good thing here is that the Holy Spirit is a great evangelist. We have to look to what He's doing and partner with the Holy Spirit in the work He's doing, identify it, but then also say yes to it. And then create space for us to partner with the Holy Spirit in the work He's doing. And it's very different because the day and age of us, you know, having a epic preacher come in with an epic band and saying, "Raise your hand if you want to follow Jesus," you know, and and three with every head bowed and every eye yeah, yeah, closed. yeah. Okay, now I'm not saying that's great stuff. It's good. I'm just saying that that's probably not the type of space that I'm talking about. It's not the type of space that young people want. We have to shift to a different kind of space. So um, so hopefully that's encouraging about young people are open to um, conversations around Jesus. We did find out that they are very open to the person of Jesus, but they really don't think Christians are awesome. They think Christians are not awesome. <laughs> In fact, they think Christians are hypocritical and judgmental. Brutal. And they also think that we are very unwise. But they think that Jesus is very wise, and they think that he is not hypocritical, and he's not judgmental. So hmm. somehow there's like this deep rift between Jesus and his followers in the church. So again, I mean... Maybe for those of us working young people, maybe that's not a surprise, you know, because you kind of see it and feel it from time to time. Uh, but generally across the country and across the globe, that's what people think. It's like they are quite, they're quite interested in Jesus. Um, 
they're quite open to him, but Christians, they've kind of lost trust in. It's like, man, mm. yeah, there's not a whole lot of trust built with young uh, Christians. So we have to do the work of creating space to tr- uh, allow trust to be reestablished with every young person, whether they choose to follow Jesus or not, because conversion or following Jesus is not on us. Sometimes the church gets really confused with this. It's like, yeah, we grew up in the same world, so I, I'll say this, but you know, you know how sometimes it's like so people are like, "Advance the kingdom, huzzah!" You know, I was like, "What?" Like, what? <laughs> Jesus advances His kingdom. We get to work alongside of Him. Yes. It's not on us. Conversion wow. is not on us. That's Jesus' yeah. job. Our job is to love young people really well. And you guys say, "Love God, love." people People and serve the world. world. So I love it to love people. If we learned how to love better, be a lot more people loving God. So I just think that we have to grow in our ability to love. That doesn't mean that truth doesn't come in. I'm not saying that, but I am saying that we can grow a lot in the ways and the spaces we create to love young people really well. And I can dive into that if we want to, but just in a nutshell, there is an opportunity in front of us, but it does require us as a church as a whole to reimagine the spaces that we're creating, especially in light of COVID. COVID was a giant reset button for us. And you, you were just talking about this. Everyone felt it. I mean, it, it wasn't working before. We all know that. It kind of wasn't working. Right. COVID just basically was like, it revealed all that we kind of thought behind the scenes. And it was like, it's really not working. The church had a bunch of followers. We didn't have disciples. And we have to follow the ways of Jesus and um, learn how to love again and learn how to journey with young people again. Uh, And that requires us with different skill sets, different practices, and, well, it's not different. It's actually rediscovering what was the original in in the Acts, the book of Acts. You, hopefully, I'm not going to get like a toast nope. roasted here. Like, you guys are all looking at me like, so, um, so the study itself. I mean, I can go into data points, or I can talk about practical things. How what do you what do you want me to? Um, well, or maybe what stuck out to you guys, and even the thing I was saying that's like, oh, that's interesting. Like, I mean, I think just right off the bat, like just knowing that conversion is not a matter of what I do. Yeah. Like, even, like, as I'll call myself a professional pastor yeah, for a second, totally. like, like the pressure that you feel, like, right, if you're a student pastor, if you're a group leader, it's like, I, if I don't show up, if yeah. I don't do this, then they're not going to know Jesus. And just like, yeah. oh, no, no, no. Like, that's timeout. Sidestep that. Let's let's focus on what this really is. Mm-hmm. And um, in some ways, I'm, I'd be curious, like, there's there's probably a ton more spiritual ground to gain. Um, for us and our training, even to like think about how to, you know, how to properly view yourself as a discipler of people, and yeah. uh, even figure out what those steps are for you to think about. Yeah, and I think if if we have, I, for whatever reason, the church in America, particular, I think it's American Western world kind of thing where it's like we will champion every hill that we think we see, you know, and it's like multi-site world champion every multi-site world. It's you know, take the city. And it's like, oh, cool. That's great. But the reality is like Jesus builds his kingdom and we have to rediscover that again. And and the, and the piece of conversion not being on us, I think the reason why young people hate 
evangelism <laughs> or the word evangelism is because we've given them a version of evangelism that is you convert your friends. They have no desire to convert their friends, but they have every desire to love their friends. If we can help mm. them understand conversion and all that stuff is not on you, that's on Jesus. That's on the Holy Spirit. And your job is to love your friends. Inevitably, we all know that the best thing can happen to a young person in discovering Jesus. We know that. Jesus will make himself very real to young people. Mm, I see that happening everywhere across the country, everywhere across the globe. Jesus is making himself very real. I was at Asbury, actually. Uh, We could talk about that. That that was a thing, you know. But Jesus is making himself very real to young people. He will meet them in their space. Um, We have to help create that space for them. When you talk about creating that space, yeah. What do you think the church as a whole is doing that can totally take a backseat on doing right now? Like, let's cut that out. Yeah. Or like either remove it completely or 50% or 100%. Like what yeah. What probably could be cut from... Um, so I've got thoughts. We, I'm curious what you see in your seat. So, yeah, again, I have a vantage point of working with the church across the country and the Catholic Church, Protestant Church, and um, we have a really hard time um, listening to young people. Now, I say that, and people are like, no, we listen. We have small groups. And it's like, yeah, kind of. You actually have retention <laughs> strategies, which is your yeah. small groups. And when I say listening to young people, I mean you listen in such a way that young people feel heard, whether there's what they're saying is theologically accurate or not. They feel heard. And that takes a different skill set. If we learned how to listen better, I think the church would become more loving to, or perceived as more loving to young people. And um, I mean, this is one thing, and I'm trying to be as general as possible because yeah, I don't want to offend you guys. Though. But oh, I, you can I mean, offend I, us. That's fine. I could go hard, harder, that, but I, I think the idea is like we have to know how to uh, listen attentively. It's not a natural skill set for leaders. It's definitely not a natural skill set for people who are working with young people. For whatever reason, whenever we work with young people, we think they're a problem to solve or a generation to fix, but we never ever think of them as a people to love. And so it's like, we feel like, I don't want you to have my childhood. Therefore, I'm going to force everything that I learned in my 20s and 30s on you. And it's like, but they're not a space to like even be there yet. I think if we even think of our formation as people and Christians and those following Jesus, there was someone who created space for us. Every one of us has someone. And that is something that we need to do at mass scale for everyone. So- Learn to listen again. And honestly, the best thing I could do to tell you guys is like get a therapist in, teach your team how to listen. Or if you are a therapist, you should be telling everyone how to listen better because <laughs> listening is something, if we just learned how to listen, it would be, now some people here are probably like, especially those who went to seminary, are like, <laughs> well, how are they going to know? You know, like, how are they going to know? And, and, this is, and this is one of those things where it's like, we have to trust that, Jesus is faithful to his children. And we have to trust that Jesus is going to grow. Our job is plant and water. God's job is to grow. And so for us, we plant and we water. We plant and we water. God is going to cause the growth. And we get to enjoy the process of the growth. And that doesn't mean that um, 
every young person is going to come to this theologically true understanding of Jesus and the Trinity and I mean, whatever else you guys are really right. passionate about at this church, you know. <laughs> Um, I picked the safe ones, you know, Trinity. <laughs> we we have a very deep <laughs> okay, yeah. uh, understanding and regular practice. I mean, two hundred years old. That's a big worship. deal, you know. Um, so no. I, there's just there's I think we um, because young people don't feel loved by the church, um, they don't feel the church is uh, a space they can explore. Um, I found out with the previous study we talked about young people are actually having faith conversations with their friends all the time they're just not having with the church because they don't trust the church to hold the space for them Mm. they talk to their friends all the time about spiritual things crystals you know that's a spiritual thing chakra um what chakra yeah I mean, all these things are spiritual things they're talking about these things they're talking about well what's the difference between Allah and Yahweh you know that's a very deep spiritual question. And they're having those conversations all the time, but they don't trust the church enough to have those conversations because the church doesn't know how to hold a space. Um, because they don't, we need to grow in the skill set of listening and listening well. And it's, anyway, I would say if there's one thing across America, if I can wave a magic wand across America, it would be we have to learn how to listen again hmm. and listen in such a way that people feel heard. I think this is becoming a focal point for our, our conversation. And um, I just, I get so jazzed about that. And I, I would wonder, I, I led a previous small group that graduated in 2018. And I just remember our senior year, we grew like three times as big. Like, which, when does that happen in senior groups? Like, you don't grow your senior year, you've got your crew. Um, but we went from six to like almost 22 every week in a basement this guy's house and um i just remember being in those spaces with my co-leader like where do they come from mm-hmm. and one of the things that i remember was a highlight of our time together is that we just had open dialogue yeah and we just talked about it and we did not land on a conclusion um but skip who was a uh, a seasoned christian educator and foolish chase 25 years old whatever uh just trying to carry my weight around is this like what I saw in that year in that small group was transformational to me yeah, and how I led discussions and how I wanted to see small groups happen everywhere. Yeah. We didn't have a bottom line <laughs> or a thing to remember. Yeah. Remember this. It was just like, Hey, we're going to talk about this today and wherever it takes us, we're going to go. Yeah. And there's something about that experience that like I kind of, yeah. I hear what you're saying. I'm like, man, yeah, I wonder what it's like. Do all of our groups listen well? Do all of our group leaders take the time to listen well? Yeah. I You have to have that inventory or personal like discovery of are you listening well? And and now you can ask young people. Gen Z will tell you. They will oh, tell yeah, they you do. for sure. Um, and you can say, hey, do you feel yeah. heard? So check out Gen Z. Matthew? 100%. Oh, yeah. 100%. Nice. Um, I think... It's almost like the church doesn't trust God in the way he grows things. And, you know, I guess, I guess like, I don't know. Like, if we were to have new eyes to see how God grows, I think we would know that he loves his children best. And we just have to learn how he loves and then enter into that way of loving. 
Um, and he grows things really well. And we, it does, you know what? I will say this to create the space that you're talking about requires more time and money is a lot easier to give than time. Time is hard to give, but the one thing that Gen Z needs is time and they, and we need to engage the journey through the spiritual conversations as we go. And actually, I mean, I have an illustration for that. I don't know if you want to. Oh, bring it on. Okay. I know. Chris, I feel like I'm Chris, talking Chris, a lot. Chris needs, if you, Chris needs pictures. It's okay. okay. All right. Well, okay. And I'm going to, I'm going to explain this and, and, and maybe I can give a visual. Um, you can put in the show notes, but so imagine a manual car. I know we don't have those anymore, but I still drive a manual, but you also live in the middle of nowhere. I hear. Is that true? Not anymore. Oh, okay. <laughs> and he's Gen Z. Oh, so, you know, typically you are a unicorn. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Charlie, the unicorn. Yeah. So typically like you say people. Yeah. So for millennials and Gen Z, typically manual cars is like the best anti-theft that you can give because no one can drive manual cars anymore. So, but the reality is <laughs> if you think of a manual car, you have six different gears, right? Now, just hold on to that for a bit. I actually think, you know, when we have spiritual conversations, you can think of it as like six different gears that are happening. The first gear, and actually this is with anyone, millennials, Gen Z, boomers, whatever, like it's it's all of us, but the, it's really clear in Gen Z. The first gear is actually this, um, it's just the gear of casual conversation. This is like what's on TikTok, you know? Did you see the guys who are pouring stuff into cups and flipping the cups over, you know, like whatever. <laughs> I love that did guy. you, yeah. Did you see what's, what's that one that I just saw today? Um, oh my gosh. The whole, uh, the whole, uh, activate Holy spirit, Holy spirit activate. Oh, <laughs> Guys, yeah, that's yeah. cringy. Oh, it's so no wonder why cringy. Gen Z doesn't trust us. Like, come on. What's that? Wolf. Okay. Anyway. Okay. So, um, but the first gear is like super casual. Like, oh, Baltimore, is going to do any good? Man, we don't know. You know, probably not. Chicago Cubs, probably not. The second gear um, is actually where it starts to um, move into the space of, of meaningful. This is where it's like, what's your hopes? What's your dreams? What do you want to do in your life? What's college going to be like? Now, actually, Gen Z likes to go there really fast. Like, they don't like casual. They want to go, they want to go meaningful pretty, pretty quickly. Um, the next gear, the gear three, is spiritual. Now, this does not mean talking about Jesus or talking about the Holy Spirit or talking about, you know, the Father or the prodigal son or whatever. This is like, what happens after death? Why did COVID happen? Why, if, was, is there an all-powerful God? Um, or it's, what's the difference between Allah and Yahweh or crystals? Like, we were talking about this, like, well, all those are spiritual conversations. And in this phase, in this gear, I should say, gear three, um, you'll find that young people will typically try on everything. <laughs> you know, it's like, today I'm Buddhist. You know, tomorrow I'm Muslim. Yeah, that is, that is the next really day, awesome. I'm nothing. You know, and the next day after that, I'll see who this Jesus Christian thing is all about. So basically, they kind of like try on everything. But they're very, and that's it's okay stage because they're very curious about what's happening. The fourth stage, in right after that, is actually choosing to follow Jesus. Because we all know Jesus makes himself very real to young people. The gear shift happens, and that they'll choose to follow Jesus. The phase after that is actually um, maturity, growing in your faith. And the gear after that is leadership. 
leading in the church and leading space. So that's the six gears. Now here's why we use a manual car. Uh, this is important. Um, the manual car is helpful because when you drive a manual car, you can tell me, you can fact check me here if this is true. All right. I hear that you need to listen for the RPMs in the engine to know when to push in the clutch and shift the gear, right? Yeah, it's definitely a, f- a feeling and touch thing. Yeah. Yeah. Just, the skill grows over time. Oh, okay. This yeah. Keep going. Like, tell me more. Like, <laughs> I, I, this <laughs> like is the, super helpful. No, the the more that you drive the car, the uh, the better sense you get to when you need to shift gears. Okay. So the more you know the car, the the easier it gets. But there drive. clearly is a, a signal that you pick up that's like, oh, time to shift the gear. Yeah. Yeah. Something great. sounds wrong if you don't. Okay. Oh, that's oh, this this is gonna be great. Okay. So here's the deal. When having spiritual conversations with young people, it's much like this because what you want to do is you want to pay attention to what they're saying, but you also pay attention to what the Holy Spirit is doing because they're going to ask certain questions, they're going to say certain things that indicate it's time to shift the gear. So in other words, it's when a young person all of a sudden is like, I'm meaningful, but I'm going to move to spiritual. It's like, ah, yeah, you know, like, what am I going to do with my life? I don't know. Like, well, what's the purpose of life? It's like, whoa, we've just shifted gears. Now, they may say that in passing, wondering, are they going to go there? Or am, I, or am I alone in that? You know, For us to know, ooh, that is the Holy Spirit at work doing something with young people, and we need to enter in and be like, that is a great question. What does everybody else think about that? What, what do we think about that, guys? What is the meaning of life? See what they say. For young people, Some people are going to be like, for our, our seventh grade boys, they're like, I don't know. Yeah, like, or Fortnite, first person, Fortnite, first person shooter Fortnite. Is yeah, <laughs> the new game oh, coming out. So Pokemon, Robots. you know, whatever. But so now, now, if we take this now, you tell me what happens when you shift from gear one to gear four in a manual car. Uh, your car kind of poops out. Yeah, it stalls. It won't go anywhere. Right, it stalls. It doesn't go anywhere. So if you shift from a um, casual conversation to a decision to follow Jesus, and you haven't paid attention to the journey. What the, the conversation is one hundred percent going to stall and die, and that and like it's just not loving, and it's just not the way you drive a car, a manual car. So we have to learn how to pay attention to what the Holy Spirit's doing in life, a young person, and then push in the clutch and shift the gear. And that looks like asking questions, maybe talking about your own personal stories, or maybe pulling something out in them, affirming that, or or leaning in in that way. Does this make sense? And so the idea is like we we have. We don't really know how to have this journey-oriented spiritual conversations because we honestly think like, we'll just get them in a room, raise their hand, they're saved, you know? And it just doesn't work, by the way. Uh, so, sorry, the, the voice is too much. <laughs> no, I love it. It's, it's, it's You're in the right place. Okay. You're okay, in the right okay, place. Good, good. It's uh, okay. Sometimes, you know, <laughs> oh, that's really my good. brothers in Tennessee don't think that <laughs> way anymore. So, you know, oh, it's great. bless y'all hot, you know? Bless your heart. So, um, oh, wait, so... If if we can lean into the journey oriented space and lean and learn how to listen to the Holy Spirit, be attentive to what the Holy Spirit is doing in the life of a young person, and also listen to that young person, we'll we'll know the ways in which to engage that conversation. So, um, and the other thing too is I think like you know, uh, for us when when you maybe accidentally go to gear four, you know you're in gear two, and you go to gear four. Like you can still drop down to gear three, right? Yeah. 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 So sometimes we misjudge, um, and it's okay to adjust. Like it's not like you're gonna 
like tank the whole car yet, you know? So you can make adjustments, but as long as you know, it's like there's a journey in the conversation. Um, and then I think there was, there's just one last piece that I, uh, about this, that was, that was helpful when I, when I explained this to other people, um, uh, no, I'm totally blanking on it. I'm going off of memory here. Uh Oh, no, no, that's okay. Fire me. I never hired you. No, okay, there. <laughs> I don't have um, that. But hopefully, <laughs> hopefully that's helpful because I think if we can learn how to have spiritual conversations like that, what we'll even find is that, oh, I know what I was going to say. Some young people we come across are already in gear three because the Holy Spirit's doing work on them, you know? And then it's a quick, easy identification. Oh, you're, you're almost to gear four. Some young people are gear five and six and we're just like, oh, you're there. Like, okay. Some young people are going to be gear two and it's most... and actually most young people are going to be gear two and how to get them or navigate how the Holy Spirit is going to move gear three. And so if we can create space to listen and actually um, get curious with young people about the person of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the Father, I think we will see things really begin to kick off and move. So, Well, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but it, it it sounds like what you're saying is we need to relearn how to have conversations. Yes. The basis, <laughs> basis of the conversations being listening. Yeah. We need to learn how to be human again. Mm. We have totally, we've forgotten the way of building relationships with people outside of the people who are like us. <laughs> and there are, it's really hard. Jesus, look at what Jesus did. Jesus building bridges all over the place. And, um, we tend to gravitate toward people who have our same theological paradigms, but also our same, you know, value systems and all stuff. And uh, the kingdom's bigger than that. That's good stuff. Yeah, yeah that's really good. Um, I want to open up to anyone here if anyone has any questions or thoughts, comments. Don't have to force one out if you don't have one. But. Uh, well, I, I guess I do. It it relates back to something that you talked about at Multi Summit. Oh yeah. Um, you talked about we need to learn. Maybe you can recap it. It was it was over the fruit of the spirit. Yeah. Is learn. Yeah. To cultivate the fruit of the spirit or learn yeah. to. Uh, yeah. So. Yeah. So talk about it. I guess. I think the church in America particularly has forgotten that gentleness and goodness is a fruit of the Spirit. We've almost viewed gentleness as weakness and goodness as optional. Huh. And, but gentleness and goodness are going to be the things that draw in young people. Like those, it's, it, those are the things that young people are going to be drawn toward. And I don't know if you've ever been around someone who like exudes the fruit of the spirit of gentleness. It's, it's, it, you know what, it, yeah, the point is, so you know what it feels like? It feels like a roaring bonfire that you're next to that never burns you. It just warms you and you're just like drawn into it. And there's something about gentleness that we need to, you know, rediscover again at the church, as a church. And I think when it comes to like the comment that I made at multi-summit was typical church always measures, you know, how many students you got coming on your night and how many kids you got baptized and how many kids come to know Jesus, which is all great. 
Um, and that totally needs to be measured. But the reality is, is what we need to also be looking at and paying attention to is the fruit of the Spirit. And the thing is, we can't grow the fruit of the Spirit, but we can create space for the Spirit to move, to grow that fruit in the life of young people. And if goodness isn't coming through in the, your youth ministry or your leadership or your leaders, then maybe you got to create some more space for the Holy Spirit to <laughs> produce that kind of fruit or self-control or faithfulness or gentleness and kindness and patience and love. Like if you, th- if you look at the fruit of the Spirit, you're like, does our church reflect this? Mm. And, or does my, you know, do, do, does our discipleship kind of like move in that space? You know, um, I think it's quite telling to know who's, what are you discipling toward? Is it your theological paradigm or is it the, you know, well, that was probably too punchy. Okay. But like the idea is like, are you discipling for, toward Jesus or discipling toward your theological paradigms? And, um, I think when you disciple in a way to follow Jesus, the fruit of the spirit is going to be evident everywhere. And so we just have to pay attention to the fruit of the spirit. And, I think there's a lot of work we could do in identifying that, growing in it, um, and celebrating it, creating space for it. So I think that was kind of the comment that I was making. Um, yeah, sorry. I love I love how you reminded us, though, even in that, like, we don't cultivate the uh, fruits of the Spirit. Like, that's... Yeah. Like we can model those and, yeah. and show those in our lives, but again, that is that's Jesus' job to. I think of it kind of like change us. Yeah, I think of it kind of like a garden, you know. Um, so I'm from the Midwest, so everything's like, you know, art uh, agriculture, you know. <laughs> so, uh, but when you have a garden, um, you what you can't force a tomato plant to grow tomatoes or what's the big fruit out here cherries isn't cherries cherries a big thing out here no maybe not sorry uh, what what what's the northeast about we have no idea crabs, crabs <laughs> the seafood, the seafood? Julia, crabs Julia. crabs are not gonna help me right now julia you're our only resident maryland person at the table what's the fruit or veggie what's the fruit or veggie oh, that's thrown here oh, uh, look, look it up isn't a cherry tree or something like that longin fruit what i don't even know what the heck that is you're full. Wait, wait, wait. Maryland's national fruit, blueberries. Blueberries? Oh. Hey. I have blueberries no. from me. Okay. Blueberries. All right, we'll go blueberries. You said blueberries were in the first time. Okay. So here's here's the thing. Um, when you grow any type of fruit, we'll go blueberries. Um, the reality is you can't force a blueberry plant, a blueberry plant to grow more blueberries. But you can make sure the space in which that plant is growing is free of weeds, big old rocks. You can make sure the nutrients are there, but you can't make the plant itself grow more blueberries. So I view this as like, we can make sure the space, we can put deposit nutrients in the space. We can, we can get rid of those rocks. We can, we can make sure it's weed free. We can protect the ground in which it is. That's part of what we do. We have protect the ground in which it's, this is being, um, young people are growing in. Um, but we can't, force the plant we can't force young people to grow through the spirit that's not on us that's on the lord and um i do think though we have to just be attentive to the spaces we're creating and um are are we i don't know where you guys are coming from. okay um are we letting the holy spirit move in the way that he wants to or are we choosing to control everything yeah. 
the enemy of the hunger, the enemy of hunger of young people, hunger for more of the Lord, hunger for the Holy Spirit, hunger for Jesus, is hype and control. Hype and control will 100% squash what the space that we're creating for the Holy Spirit to move. That doesn't mean the Holy Spirit's not powerful to do whatever he wants. Of course he is. But in some divine, beautiful way, we get to collaborate with the Lord in this. And 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 we contend the field in which he's asked us to live. And this is part of tending the field. Okay. That was, that was so deep. I know. I sit with that for like a well, week. Well, don't, don't sit with too long because it could be theologically inaccurate. I'd be a heretic or something. All right, Matthew, you got a question. So, yeah, let me ask a more positive uh, question. Uh, maybe this isn't really related, but where do you think the church is doing good or starting yeah. to do good right now? I actually think the church is waking up to the reality that Gen Z, that God's doing something really special in Gen Z. You know what I see across the country? Uh, which is really encouraging. I see senior leaders awakening to the reality that Gen Z, God's doing something special with Gen Z. They're paying attention. Do they know what to do yet? Not really, but like they're paying attention. You know, um, I also see uh, the church is doing quite well uh, when it comes to um, uh, knowing. Well. I don't know how to say this. I think the church is doing well to know that things need to change. And I would say pre-COVID, I don't think the church felt they needed to change. And they kind of, the there's a whole generation walking in a fog. Then they kind of missed them. But now the fog is lifted. And I think great leaders are now leaning in saying, we have to figure this out. They're paying attention to what the Holy Spirit is doing. And they're willing to change things that usually are sacred cows. So I am really encouraged by the church, you know, leaning in, um, creating space. I feel like I keep saying creating space. So, Well, <clears throat> I think that's just going to be the name of the podcast now. <laughs> just creating space. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, what... What warms me about this conversation is that it kind of all connects back to this idea that um, it's not our job to convert, but it's our job to make sure, like you said, that the space is there. Yeah. And we can only work within the space and prayers that we have. And maintaining a check on our own agenda and making sure that this is truly of the spirit and not of our own vain yeah. pursuit. It's uh oh that that runs so many layers deep in this conversation. That feels very evident. Um it's, it's powerful. Yeah. It's really powerful, Jordan. There's um and there's one for all leaders out there right now working with young people, what I'm learning is self care is actually probably the most loving and caring thing you can do for this generation. Modeling great mental health, modeling great ways to navigate anxiety and, and all this stuff is and in and, and being self-aware <laughs> uh, is actually one of the best things we can do to better love a uh, generation. So if you're um you know, we grew up in an age that was like therapy was for people with problems. Yes. It's not true. 
at all. Um, highly recommend. And also, I think that when you grow to grow your skill set of paying attention to your own self, you'll grow in your capacity to care for others. Now, this sounds weird, but if you grow in paying attention to your own self, journeying with what's going on inside of you and being vulnerable and open with that with Jesus, that is the great invitation for young people to journey alongside you in it as well. And then you show them a way that they can be real and vulnerable with Jesus and each other. So self-care matters, especially in light of what we just went through. So I know that's total curveball. Hey, that's but right. I, it's opening day. It's it is. It is opening day, and it's a great curveball. Curveballs were probably thrown, probably, <laughs> especially by Baltimore. swung and miss. Yeah, <laughs> um, Jordan, we appreciate your time. Um, if there's one thing that we could be praying for you about in this next season, uh, I know you're here on business, and we got to snag some time with you today, but. Uh, what's something that we can be praying for you and for Alpha as you all are embarking on? You're doing a, a new content series, right? Yeah. So that's coming up. Um, yeah, that would be, you know what? we So even coming back to what we were talking about earlier, but um, Alpha Youth has been around for a, lo- a little bit, and we are kind of like the beginning conversation, what I call Alpha, beginning conversations, you know, to – Exploring life's biggest questions. This is evangelism. Um, we're recreating the series because what we found is that the questions that people begin with, young people begin with, have changed. And so the questions before was, is Jesus real? And that we kind of started there, and that's okay. We can start there. Now the question is does not begin, is it real? It actually begins if is the way of Jesus even good? And Yikes. that's where we start. And we're, we're, so you can pray for us in discernment and wisdom as we pour a load of resources and time and energy into a, a resource that hopefully is going to help the global church help Gen Z and Gen Alpha coming up um, explore faith in the starting in the spots where they're starting, which is, is the way of Jesus even good? And then going to, well, is this real? Like, what does he do today? Like, yeah. is this for me? Can I be a part of this? You know, and that's like a, um, that's kind of, we have to discern and move in the, that progression. So, okay. Um, well, hey, thank you for your time. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to read our outro because, friends, what you do matters. Who you are and who you are becoming in Christ is more important than what you do. Um, if we are going to make disciples, we have to be disciples. So, We each commit personally to walking the walk with Jesus, living out the mountain walk by loving God, loving people, and serving the world because everything rises and falls on the strength of our disciple makers and our process to connect students to them. Jordan, thank you for your time. And friends, we'll catch you on the next one.